Welcome everyone, this is meeting 155 and today is the 27th of October 2022. We've got some feedback on YouTube. Uh, this comment by Iceman says, one thing I don't like uh, is that you guys always seem so pessimistic about new things that can be a part of C++. I'm not talking about carbon or other garbage trying to replace C++. I'm talking about CPP front. I think it's a nice effort from Herb doubling down on C++ and fixing the language. Why are you guys like this? <sighs> and my reply was, I say what I feel and I'm being cautious. I think CPP front is an interesting experiment, but it doesn't fix C++ in any meaningful way. Instead, it forks the language and splits the community effort without providing any certainty. Coming from the committee chair himself, it worries me. It'll be interesting if it succeeds, but we don't even know what would a success be like with CPP2. Yeah, yeah. To which uh, they replied, that is a fair point. To be honest, I think I was a bit too swayed by Herb's talk. Shows he's great at talking about things, I think. But yeah, I myself have not written a single line of CPP2 and I don't plan on writing anything soon. Let's say I was also being cautious, just subconsciously. So yeah, the excellent presentation skills that Herbs has certainly did have an effect on, on many people, I guess. He's a very charismatic presenter. Indeed. It's, it's us, crusty, pessimistic, old <laughs> yeah, we are grumpy. <laughs> grumpy we? people who are not easily swayed. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, it's it's always healthy to provide a, a, some some degree of pessimism uh, when everyone is ecstatic about new things, just for balance. We are grounded, also not just yeah. Let's let's call it grounded. I like that better. <laughs> Right. Next one is a is a short tweet which I call the two legends. John Romero tweeted, quote, incredible life achievement unlocked. I spent an hour of one-on-one -on -one time talking to the amazing Bjarne Strostrup about C at the conference. Yeah, I think everyone knows who uh, John Romero is. I played countless hours of Doom in my younger days. And to think that at last he met the one person that, that sort of made it possible uh, by creating C++, which was the foundation of Doom and every other big game, I guess, uh, since then, it's, it's nice. Someone says, very nice. I remember his C++ book was considered a Bible at the Polytechnic. Out of curiosity, did he know who you are? To which John Romero replied, We didn't talk about me at all. I'm just a puddle of slime sliding around on the ground compared to him. Kids, when you meet your heroes, do not talk about yourself ever. You're wasting that precious time. <laughs> very, very humble, uh, John yeah, Romero. That's a good quote. Indeed. And there were uh, some more pictures uh, of them meeting and talking. And I must say, I feel pretty lucky myself having talked to Bjarne and sometimes seeing, meeting him again 
in our meetings. So I still can't fully comprehend how lucky I am to, to have done that. Right, on to the next topic, uh, the big October mailing. The committee mailing this time has 80 papers, and of those, 41 at revision zero. Let's just quickly go through them. Some of them, obviously, not all of them. So this one is an updated document called Direction for ISO C++ uh, by Howard Hinnant, Roger Orr, uh, Bjarne Strostrup, David van der Voorde, and Michael Wong. Uh, the additions to this document are highlighted in red. Uh, you'll shortly see what that, me that means. Uh, there is accent on type safety and static analysis. And let me scroll to the highlight. You, you may have to squint a bit to protect your eyes. When they say red, they do mean red. <laughs> I thought it was going to be red text, but instead they made like very saturated red uh, background. I'm gonna miss that. <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna miss that. To me, this looks like a response to all the efforts of um, Carbon and CPP2 and other related activities and comments have been surfacing lately. And they start with this quote, recently there has been a lot of discussion about safety in the context of C++. Given the increased importance of safety and security in the world, we consider improved safety an important priority for the evolution of C++. And then they explain what they mean by safety, type safety, and um, um, static analysis. They finally say in this um, paragraph, quote, in addition, we encourage continuing work on language and library facilities that increase various forms of safety. Examples such from the past include range four and std array. Uh, so that was it for the additions to this document. We'll see more documents that you could see as responses to these uh, external efforts. The next document is uh, by Wille Wuteleinen. It's called To Boldly Suggest an Overall Plan for C++26. This is a revision 5, and I just wanted to uh, double-check what is included what's supposed to be included in C++26. So the plan is still uh, work towards having the following things, execution, more ranges work, and reflection. Unspecified ship vehicle is for contracts and pattern matching. I'm kind of disappointed to see pattern matching not explicitly targeted for C++26, because of all the new proposed features, I think pattern matching would have the most impact on the code I write, for example. Is there a design uh, already set for pattern matching or is it still debated? There is an updated document that we'll see uh, slightly later, which is preparation for discussion about it in the committee. And there are sort of two approaches that are compared in that document. I think Michael Park is still working hard on the proposal, but 
apparently there are some unresolved questions. I hope it has a chance because um, I would hate to for it to be delayed till 29. Yeah. 29 seems like a big number so yeah a bit scary <laughs> i'm really happy that we're gonna get reflections apparently that's a very long time in the making yeah uh, regarding execution villa says during the c plus plus 23 cycle we made good progress on centers and receivers there is however more to be done in this area such as more sender adapters async scopes and async streams does it mean that we 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 decided sender and receiver is the way to go uh, i think so yeah i think that's the way that's the async async model model for for the future interestingly he says regarding coroutines i think where's library support for coroutines which was in the c plus plus 23 plan he says while we can still expect to see proposals for a task type and other such specific things, the execution proposal P2300 covers generic library support for coroutines and needs them into the generic asynchrony framework provided by 2300. So yeah, that's an additional confirmation that senders receivers is the way to go. Regarding networking, he says, the earlier direction approach for networking didn't have consensus to a fair extent due to concerns about the composability of the approach. We don't have a composable approach proposal at this point. And basically, if, if that comes, uh, there'll be discussions about it. But uh, it looks to me like all the existing networking proposals are pretty much dead in the water. This doesn't even mention the safety issue. How do you update? Uh... Uh, sockets, whether there is new uh, standards, you know, if you want to do SSL and this kind of stuff, which was on top of uh, all the other problems. Now, uh, not in this document, at least. This is a very high-level one. So maybe there will be some updates to the existing networking proposals. Yeah, I do wonder, you know, what's going to be uh, of that because, you know, we have still design an issue and we still don't know how we're going to approach uh, updates if there is the need to update something quicker than a three-year uh, release schedule. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, core routines is suffering from, from something very similar right now. It, it seems to be an implementation in the standard that depends on uh, external library implementations. And there seems to be, you know, this, this hard um, dependency on TBB or whatever they chose on. And uh, something that's already bad, right? But, but I agree for networking, it's going to be even worse because you can't control the, um, the internet standards and the security um, issues that they find and they have to patch them immediately you can't tie that with a standard that, that has a three-year cycle and a a relatively slow um you know compiler release cycles that i, I think that's going to be a, a, something of a nightmare and probably the solution would be what they did for core routines which which i find very annoying and disappointing um which is basically going to be 
yeah, you're on your own. Just figure out which version of OpenSSL you need at runtime, and you will need to figure out how to find it and link it. And uh, that, I think that's a mess. It's it's uh, you know it's 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 neither it's neither leveraging the the uh, advantages of having an ISO standard, nor is it leaving you to come up with your solution. It's forcing you to live in this middle place <laughs> between a standard and practical you know runtime requirements and again i don't really know what would be best uh, it's not clear to me like at this point keep some aspects like networking outside of the standard would be an option like okay don't worry about it at all just uh, have a library or something and would then we get back to the package manager conversation. So I don't know. They could do something like, like you know, we did with threads, right? I mean, the, the threading model is built heavily around the uh, P threads. It kind of implicitly assumes that you have some, you know, lowest common denominator implementation that's POSIX compliant that we know, you know, even Windows is, is more or less compliant with. Um, and that's what they started with. I think that's a, good and reasonable starting point. So they can start with the you know, Berkeley sockets as a good foundation. They don't have to implement any of the protocols, any of the SSL stuff, right? So you would have just like the threads, bare minimum um, infra to build upon. And then, then, and then you can add more bells and whistles and, and you can do your, your own thing or use ready you know, libraries that would be compatible with it. So start without uh, the um, SSH and uh, without worrying about the security. Yeah, without HTTP, without SSL, without, HTTP, yes. without certificates and all that mess. Um, I, I really would hate to see something like, you know, what they did with core routines, which is just, you know, your code may or may not compile depending on what other third-party libraries you have installed and it may or may not crash during runtime depending on which version you have and which version of the compiler you're, you're using it's, it's i think that's a mess right it's it, it it's a kind of thing that that um first experience is so bad that that people just stop trying and they kind of get it this this very bad impression that okay this language is broken or, or this system is broken and they stop trying or using it it's not, it's not the thing that you can improve on later, right? Somebody who, who's using coroutines, for example, is either going to be locked into it and they're going to figure out what's reliable and they're going to use that and, and they, they will try to avoid you know, updates or changing it. And then another group is just going to say, okay, I, I, I can't use this. This is just too much work for me to figure out which version of which library I need and is it going to be compatible and is it going to you know, support upgrading the, the compiler and so on. So... I rather they hold off until they have a plan rather than they do this. And and for networking, I think it's ten times worse. Like, and I say this having having written a good number of these protocols myself. So and and having used you know OpenSSL and, and and others, it's 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 real pain. Even when you don't have you know the standard to worry about your own, you know you can you can basically do anything you want. You can upgrade at will and so on. It's still very painful, very problematic, very difficult. Um, yeah, mix the compiler. I think you have a lot more problems now. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. The networking TS uh, proposals have been in development for years, and uh, we've discussed last time that there was a new one uh, regarding network security, but it's not compatible with senders receivers. 
because of some serious reasons and also the two opposing sides so to speak senders receivers and the networking ts they seem to be very hostile to each other for whatever reason very territorial and that doesn't bode well for the future of networking in the standard we're all losers after that yes or you can just use asio which most networking ts people use and what serves as the basis of networking ts very much uh, at this point i think uh, the community has been using asio either boost or non-boost from 17 uh, whenever there was yeah late. but yeah it's not ideal and yeah it's a very uh, good point that uh, network security in the standard would mean that uh, it wouldn't be able to be updated quickly enough for any security vulnerabilities and updates that come out. So that's also a risk. Right, so next one, uh, next paragraph in this document was, what about linear algebra? And Villa says, blast-based linear algebra is making good progress. It doesn't seem to need a special scheduling priority and can be dealt with as an extension almost like any other. Uh, hold that thought. We'll see about that slightly later. Also, it could be another one of those that uh, the day after it ships, there is a newer version that is faster <laughs> and everybody would like to, uh, to break the old implementation. And then we'll have people complaining about not be not being able to do an ABI break to improve it. Yeah. Is, is, isn't this, you know, a, a good example of a, a dubious topic for standardization? Like, first of all, what is the, the percentage of the user base that's going to benefit from a BLAS, you know, library? Second, why is it something that necessarily needs standardization, right? Third, are there not other higher priority, more useful challenges for the language and the committee to focus on before, you know, they, they free up their time for something like this? And finally, aren't there already like good industry standards that I guess, you know, HPC people already know about and, and use? Sounds like a little bit weird to me that, that this is a focus for 26. I think this is being actually, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's being pushed by exactly those people, HPC and gaming. And if they say they need it, they need it standardized. It's quite possible that that's the case. I do hope that maybe they're able to work in this in parallel because being this kind of a new addition doesn't have to fit between other features. So maybe it can be somewhat decoupled from the rest of the work and, and hopefully it doesn't uh, take too much time off of people in the committee that something else wouldn't get in otherwise. But all the other points are valid, you know, does this... Uh, I don't know. Does this belong in the setup? Maybe, maybe as Glad said, you know, if they argue it, maybe it could be. I certainly wouldn't have a problem with that. 
just that you know how would you update it that's always the same problem i don't know it's the Sometimes same we do get uh sorry Gleb. no no go on. no yeah it's the same uh some every every time there is this, uh, such a proposal very much like the graphics proposal uh that's the one um it's always like this you know should we have this as a package uh, if we had a package manager yes this most likely wouldn't be a proposal for the standard but we don't so we're living in a strange situation that's a that's a good point i mean they, they can always have you know technical specifications for this kind of thing and have it as a separate add-on but again i'm not sure what they're going to standardize is it going to be the interface i mean maybe but but the, but the problem with with things like this is that they are this is this is really performance sensitive stuff, right? The only the only reason that you would need to worry about the implementation is because you care about performance, because you're you're doing something that heavily needs the these transforms and 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 you know all of that representation in memory. So it's typically you'd find that the hardware manufacturers themselves actually have like AMD has a has a blast um, library and Intel has a different library, right? Um, the reason is obvious. It's because they're optimizing for their own hardware and their own, you know, memory latencies and 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 other um, concerns as the cache size and and, and so on. Right? Um, how well is the prefetcher going to work in this case versus that case? So the problem there is that the interface often is is a slave, if if you'd forgive the expression, to the performance requirements. It's not the other way around. It's the the, the interface isn't designed to be beautiful. Um, it's it's designed to leverage the performance aspect to make things fast, right? So you can't really, you know, be copying objects around. On the contrary, you need some sort of you know references and access to the data directly, and 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 do things on a very low level, you know, with pointers and strides and and things like that. So again, I'm I'm not sure how they can standardize something that's heavily dependent on on the hardware and 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 the technology of the hardware. I mean, the architecture changes a little bit. They might modify them. I mean, why not? So, again, yeah. I have I have I have serious doubts about about these kinds of initiatives and and who's going to benefit from and which library is going to get the uh, the upper hand and get standardized. It, it, you know, and and as I say, there are a few of them that are uh, fairly popular, and uh, it's not obvious to me that you know any one of them is the obvious choice. Yeah, I guess we'll see. The next paper is a small one, and it's mostly committee procedural stuff. It's called A Call for a WG21 Managed Chat Service. And it says that um, Slack has been a useful resource within SG16 for collaboration, informal sharing of ideas and news, and discussion of controversial topics. Uh, but there was a, uh, there were some concerns of the lack of enforcement of a code of conduct, and that prompted several attendees to deactivate their accounts. And so, at the moment, there's no sort of an official chat uh, facility for the committee members. And given that we live in the strange pandemic times, uh, it's always good to have some way of informal uh, communication. Uh, without uh, having to go face face to face, 
so they they chose something called Mattermost, I think. I don't know some, some chat, but uh, there were some amusing examples of anticipated usage, and I will uh, quote one of those. <laughs> That's the reason I included this paper, actually. And an example of informal discussion within a working group or uh, SG. Amber ambitious. I'm writing a paper that proposes adding a Yitz facility, and I'm thinking of calling it Fazuzel. Is there a better name? Peter Pedant. Fazuzels do not equomba. I think what you are describing is a zatsnich. Zasnich. Cora correcto. Whether the equomba is conditional on the rocks. She has it right. Yeah, an example of a very productive uh, in discussion. I need this yesterday. I need this yesterday, yeah. Right, next one is um, vector API for random number generation. I wanted to mention this because it would basically allow you to generate a bunch of random numbers into a container and that would increase the usability but unfortunately i don't see that it addresses the long-standing issue of proper initialization of the random number generator there is an outstanding proposal which didn't make it into c plus plus 23 and i hope that it makes it into 26 because otherwise uh, most of the code floating around that initializes random number generators uh, is wrong. What was the issue? Do you remember? I think it's because of some different sizes of integers that are used in, in when initializing the random number generator, which makes uh, random numbers not so random. And uh, the proper initialization is like a sizable chunk of code, and no one does that. And would fixing this qualify as an ABI break? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's not. I I think they just uh, ran out of time. Are, are you referring to the fact that most uh, initialization is done by a literal, which is an integer, and internally the um, uh, the Merson twister is is sixty four bits. So you would actually need to provide sixty four bit entropy. Something that like that. Issue? I don't remember in detail, but I think that's that's the gist of it. There is a proposal to address this, so let's hope we get it. So this is uh, the proposal to add linear algebra support to the C++ standard library, but that's not the one that Willi mentioned, interestingly. So there are two, and this one is by Guy Davidson, Davidson and Bob Stiegel. So this is revision 7. This is a long going one. Uh, there are some uh, records of votes, so it's sort of progressing. There are some open issues. So this doesn't specifically say that it's based on any existing interface. So probably it defines its own API and uh, all the data types. This one is the one that Willi mentioned. It's called a free function linear algebra interface based on the BLAS. This is revision 10, actually, more than the previous one. What's curious is they specifically 
mention differences with other uh, libraries. They say this one is interoperable with other linear algebra proposals. And the difference of this one is that the set of, uh, this is a quote, the set of linear algebra operations in this proposal are derived from a well-established, oh, Biana is joining, uh, derived from a well-established standard set of algorithms that has changed very little in decades. It's one of the strongest possible examples of standardizing existing practice that anyone can bring to C++. Hello, Biana. Hi. Thanks for joining. We were just talking about some papers in the latest mailing. It's quite a lot. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned uh, the paper that you co-authored as uh, the direction for ISOC++ uh -huh. with, with the highlights in, in bold red. Oh, yes, changes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we reckon this is a response to all the stuff that's been happening around carbon and TPP2. Uh, yeah, and uh, some of the uh, comments about safety in uh, in the, the commerce department and uh, other places. Right. A lot of people who think that safety is the only thing and you can only get it but from a new language. And in fact, I think Herb Sutter mentioned those specifically when he introduced this uh, CPP2. And so the first thing he said was the, the government wants us to do something about it. And a lot of people got scared. Well, a lot of people saw the opportunity to get uh, their ideas pushed. I, I see a lot of... Um, Things we've heard before that didn't get traction now coming back. Hmm. I, I wonder if, if Microsoft is reacting to Google or they both had the same idea around the same time and had something prepared, you know, in, in hiding. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think Google has ideas. People at Google has ideas. I don't think Microsoft has ideas. It's people at Microsoft that has ideas. And you have to distinguish that. Um, if a corporation start pushing products or basing products on something, you could say that the, um, the corporation is in favor of something. But when it's just people talking it's very hard to know what is real and what's personal projects and what's uh, spare time projects and things like that fair point fair point people tend to forget that and they just just see somebody at organization they think that organization is going there one thing i learned in the early days of c is that every major organization has at least one project in every uh, new language. So um, the standard way of advertising something new is to give the list of 100 uh, organizations that are using it. It means that 100 organizations at least has at least one person experimenting with it. 
Uh, calibration is hard. Yeah. I'm not saying that people are not interested. I'm just saying you can't use it as a proof. Yeah, marketing is hard too. I guess this is uh, one one way of marketing. <laughs> Exaggerate the uh, apparent. Um, Powerful way. Maybe yeah. dangerous also. <laughs> True. Yeah. But I do think that most of the recent uh, uh, novelty languages came after or peaked, uh, their interest peaked after the 2019 CPPCon conference um, talk uh, from Chandler Carruth, where he publicly denounced that uh, Unique Pointer was not as performance as, as it could have been. And then Titus Winter started asking for a BI break. and. But in the same time, you could say that Herb Sutter has been working on his own thing for many years since, I mean, many years before. And every conference would introduce something else and Herb sections and the meta classes. So there was a kind of a parallel independent uh, uh, train of thoughts. Maybe also getting the same wave after 2019. And maybe also coinciding with the Rust popularity increase. I don't know, there's been a little bit of a set of uh, of things stirring uh, since then at least mm -hmm. good observations actually i just saw that microsoft quietly released an update for windows where or maybe it's in the process of being released where they rewrote uh, the font parser code in rust and didn't even advertise it too much i'm sure the rust people did advertise it the rust people are very very good at uh, again far, far better than the C++ crowd. I'm pretty so sure starters, they have an organization, which is a good thing to have for, for anything. Should I be worried about the downvotes now? <laughs> we are on YouTube now, the, the, the we say Rust people, you know, we may... Rust, is a, Rust is a great language. Yes. Certainly we can learn something from it. Yeah. So if we go quickly through other proposals, this is HashEmbed, a scannable tooling-friendly binary resource inclusion mechanism that Jean-Hid Minid had been working for uh, quite a long time. And the uh, new thing here is that he says the C edition of this paper was accepted into C23. So hopefully C++26 will also get this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't quite understand the set of problems this is addressing. I guess if you want to include a resource in your program, which is the case for many game programmers, you could specify where to take it from and convert it to a set of bytes that you can access at runtime. Yeah. So then I, you I don't know that you know what you're getting. Uh, well, as with many things in C++, you have to know what you're doing. <laughs> but here, what you're, what you're getting is not C++. It's not source text, I think, in uh, many cases. True. I think initially this was supposed to be a standard library function stood in bed, but it turned into a preprocessor directive, which is, I guess, uh, one way of doing it. 
It's another food gun, I suppose. This is just a way to, I guess, communicate with the linker and, you know, figure, figure out a way to reference these embedded resources? I, I'm not sure, because this wouldn't be a preprocessor. I think maybe this replaces uh, the instances where in your tests you go look for a file and you just import a file to read the binary content, and you interpret cast or whatever you do. Maybe you, or maybe you don't have a test case. Maybe you have some real-world uh, code that needs to rely on some binary to initialize itself, and you don't want to bother reading the file with uh, with a stream. But I don't see why that would be a major problem. I I imagine I imagine this is going to end up in, um, you know, the constant data segment in the binary that it's not going to reference a file. That is on... definitely true. Right, so the, it's, it's... Go on. This introduction provides some background. Uh, he says, for well over 40 years, people have been trying to plant data into executables for varying reasons, whether it is to provide a base image with which to flush hardware in a hard reset, icons that get packaged with an application, or scripts that are intrinsically tied to the program at compilation time, there has always been a strong need to couple and ship binary data with an application. So I guess there is a use case for this. And there's been apparently some compiler-specific macros uh, to do that, like a, this pragma std c embed and something like that. Yeah, I, I think know. this is just like a more standardized mechanism which allows you to avoid having to encode your binary to something like C array or C string. So it simplifies your build process. But, well, it can't hurt really, and then your resource really, as uh, I mentioned, is just a LinkedIn, and you get a symbol you can reference. So yeah. it makes sense. Uh, it's basically I think for embedded programming where you have no file system, you have to actually carry all your data with you. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Next one is pattern matching using is and as. Uh, this is Herbsata's paper which I think is going to be also adopted into the pattern matching uh, paper. And this has been revised. I don't know uh, what's new in this revision, but I think that might be related to his CPP2 experiments. So um, I, I think it's independent. Um, I, uh, I rather like this one. We'll see what the pattern matching group does with it. Just incidentally, I think it did implement I, it. I should, I should uh, spend more time on that. It's on my infinite list of things to do. Right. It definitely has nice aspects. Yeah, pattern matching is a big deal. Well, yeah. We were just talking. I wish people would realize that. We were just guessing if, it, if, we'll, if there is a chance we'll get it in 26. I'll have to wait even longer. One of the problems with all of these bright ideas floating around is that it uh, soaks up time and energy. And then things that I, and not just I, think are important doesn't move forward because people are working on their various personal projects, and, uh, ideas that, that are not ready. 
Yeah, do you think this particular paper would be pushed through only for better matching or would also uh, come with this implication for casting? Because I think he wanted to use, you know, and as he mentioned here, uh, I, that... I think he wants to use it for both. And I would be very disappointed if it came only for casting because I don't think it is, um, it, I don't think it gives us enough. Uh, benefits just as it stands, but as mm -hmm. past the uh, pattern matching, it may, may gives us a better pattern matching, and pattern matching is a big deal. I like I like the, to have a pattern matching uh, facilities in the standard. I'm I'm not sure I I understood well enough the way that he wants to implement casting and and ease and as instead of the many numbers of casts we have already. Uh, so that I have to wrap my head around still. Um, the, the way I see it is that there's so many casts and most of their uses are uh, doubtful. If you have the facility here, it will do the uh, safe ones and it won't do the others. So it kicks you into cast territory if you want to do something that's uh, information destroying, whatever okay. you call it, unsafe, uh, narrowing. Mm. That kind of stuff just isn't done uh, at the last version I looked at, which means that you can uh, use these uh, fairly freely uh, because they do the things that, uh, that, that doesn't actually damage the type system. Would would the uh, expert uh, programmer, C++ programmer, still resort to the old, I mean, the, yes. the usual cast? Yes. So this would be part of the safer subset of C++? Uh, yes. It, uh, it does the things that, um, that, for instance, I like to do and I have to do in cases, but not the things where I know I have to be really careful. Messing with bytes is not what this stuff does. Thank you. Right. The next one is an interesting one. We've seen it before. It's an error propagation operator by Barry Revzin. It's the first revision, I mean, second revision is in zero. And he says this paper simply recognizes that there are many code bases that do not use exceptions and probably will not in the future. So Sigolf Plus, he says, does not currently have a good story for error handling without exceptions. And he proposes an operator that could allow you to chain function calls when they return an optional or an expected using an automated propagation operator. Uh, he gives an example of Rust. And for C++, he goes through several variants of syntax, like uh, a question question mark, then try as an operator, like in other languages, Zig, Swift, or like, for example, you uh, call a function and then postfix it with question, question mark, so that the happy path is preserved. So, yeah, it's it looks really weird. Yeah, I can't say I like it <laughs> or that I wish it uh, really well. Um, we'll see what happens. It does look weird, though, you know, you go like... Foo, question mark, question mark, you know, and the reader goes like, is, is foo? What does it, what does it mean? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. They just got rid of trigraphs and they're just crawling back to the other. <laughs> yeah, bring back the trigraphs. That'll solve this problem. <laughs> when he saw that trigraphs are gone, he was like, I was preparing for this my entire life. Here is the operator question, question mark. See, there's always uh, surprising side effects from changes. Indeed. So the next one is revision zero of uh, this paper, Design Alternative, Subtype, and Resource Safe C++. This is, by the way, very much uh, R1, R0. Um, there's this uh, evening session, Future C++ in Kona, and we felt that this work that was in progress and not quite ready uh, had to be presented. So I cranked this one up in, uh, in rather fast. Yeah, so this is ties into all these uh, recent discussions and efforts, sort of a kind of response to that. Yeah, I mean, people talk as if safety is one thing, and they talk as if some miracle cure will make the problems go away. A new language means we don't have any of the old problems except for the billion lines of code and necessity to interact with languages that doesn't follow those rules. Um, and so the question is, how do we actually, what, what are the problems and how do we deal with them? This is based on the uh, core guidelines. Obviously, sorry, I shouldn't say the obvious. No, it's, it is kind of, yeah, obvious. Yes. The core guidelines are what everyone should uh, be following, but not many, not all of the of, uh, developers do. No, no, not everybody can do it. One of the points is you can't convert enormous code bases overnight, which means that you are stuck in an intermediate state for years. And uh, how do you manage that? The greatest complexity here is exactly that. You're, you're not going to get safety sort of waving a magic wand over your existing code. If it's a, a mess of pointers and uh, with, with no particular strategy for uh, resource management and error handling, uh, you're, you're not going to get any of the definitions of safety, maybe with the exception of overflow, which can be done locally. But basically, you have to do something. And I expect that some areas require greater degrees of safety of various sorts than others, and you will start with those, and you pay a higher price in code changes and, uh, and, and strictness for those applications. There was another paper that had a title that read like a response to all these, uh, this is the next C++. Nice title, by the I way. liked this one, yes. Uh, it's by Jared Waterloo, and the title is C++ is the next C++. <laughs> this has happened many times before, by the way. <laughs> uh, this paper is about providing certain attributes that would trigger specific static analysis for specific parts of the code kind of introduces subsets of C++ for distinct parts of your code base, 
But on the other hand, it could make it easier to convert large code bases to follow the guidelines. I am not 100% sure, um, but I see it as a way, a rough equivalent to the core guidelines uh, profiles. That is, you, you name a coherent set of rules and uh, then require that. So it's a different way of uh, saying the same thing as uh, the, the uh, attribute that requires uh, some form of resource safety in uh, Gabby and Microsoft. Yeah, the author of the paper lists uh, quite a few guideline paragraphs that could supposedly be addressed by those subsets of static checks. So maybe it's not the, such a bad the key thing. Here, difficulty is to get a coherent set of rules so that you can describe in well a single sentence what it's doing. He does try to come up with such subsets like no unions, no mutable, no new delete, and so on, no volatile, no C style variadic functions. And the other interesting. Very both. I mean, but I'm all for it if this allows uh, to move uh, in, in parts of your code to, let's say you would have a magic GCC flag that would. Uh, enforce the core the, the core guidelines which i don't think unfortunately there is but there is in some something in msvc i think but not in the, the real problem is if you have a piece of code that follows the guidelines that makes a guarantee like no uh, memory corruption mm -hmm. um, now it is called by some uh, piece of code that hands over a pointer from that code base or if it calls another piece of code and hand over one of the safe pointers to that, how do you know that uh, the the code isn't uh, that the code that the pointer coming in points to code that isn't already corrupted, in the sense that it has several pointers and several threads, and when it goes out, how do you know that uh, the called code doesn't keep a copy and start mourning it? It's problems like that that's uh, really difficult. I see. It's uh, obvious that if you want complete guarantees, you must have all of your code following the say the, the, the rules that gives you that guarantee. Um, and that is feasible for fairly small isolated pieces of code. It is not true for large code bases, especially the problem of passing information over to other pieces of code like written in old C++ or C or simpler or Scala or some, some other language that can more a piece of code that can more some data and, and the larger the project and the older the project the more likely it is that there is external dependencies left and right you know with C libraries and legacy code and things that the compiler can't really you know see inside and prove no aliasing and things like that but the other problem is that uh, code doesn't stay new 
uh, say you uh, write a, a nice little library in Rust, and um, for how long will it be only used from Rust? If it's forever, it's sort of in a uh, fairly small world. Every new language think they're going to have all the code written in their language sooner or later, but uh, it's it's later. Fortran is still around, so is COBOL. And uh, so what uh, are the guarantees worse when it's called from a library that uh, doesn't follow it, or when it's called, it calls a library that, that doesn't obey those rules? Then you have to trust it. You get more and more trusted code in your system. Your safety is always a caveat. Um, trusted codes uh, really should be trusted. It's trustworthy. Yeah. One of the problems is that a lot of code isn't. Yeah. And you, you probably will have to convince the compi compiler to trust it by, you know, marking it or, or something, which kind of negates the purpose of compiler, you know, static checks in the first place. Because you're overriding it, you know, you're saying, you know, beyond this call, assume everything is safe. <laughs> Yeah, or you have to everything safe. is safe. In other words, hope it's trustworthy. Yeah, hope it doesn't violate the rules that you uh, are trying to give to your users. Um, we 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 know that's not that. I mean, remember the last uh, the, that Java bug last year? Which one? Oh, the log the logger one. Yeah, it's only been around and trusted in most places for. Um, for, for for ten years, mm. it uh, gave free access. Boy, mm. and we had a busy weekend. And my security friends uh, tells me that uh, we were very very good to be able to do it in less than a month. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all the problem of the dialects and epochs all over again. Yeah. People who try to formalize evolutionary changes or years or decades, I think, uh, tend to be rather naive. Uh, if the problem was sufficiently simple, their solutions would work. Like with, um, with epochs, if you have one epoch following another in a steady uh, progression, each carefully uh, designed to work with the previous one. Things work, but that's not the way the world is. It's the way a small world is. In a larger world, you have parallel evolution in different places, and you have evolution of people who are in a hurry and says, ah, I don't need to work with, with that old stuff, uh, which is one of the motivations for that kind of thing. And the problem is that well, now somebody else can't use your code because they depend on that old stuff. These are the problems we have seen again and again and again. Right, yes. We have so many papers to discuss still, and unfortunately we've run out of time for today. So I will leave you I with- have to get, I have some work I have to get done before two o'clock, so it's a it's a good thing to get on.
<laughs> the way did I tell you I got on uh, I got on retired oh um, what no news I, I retired went to Europe for four months uh, that lasted for two months uh, I was still in Europe but uh, they changed my status at Columbia so I am not now a professor rather than a visiting professor oh congratulations apparently um I've been a visiting professor for eight years, and the max is five or three, depending on who you ask. So they had to do something quickly. <laughs> Congratulations, and uh, sorry your retirement didn't last long. Well, it's fun. I'd always want to keep my course, and uh, now I've just moved the course to the fall so that I don't have to be in New York City for the winter. Fair enough. Right. Wise, wise as I well. I don't like New York City in January, February, uh, July, and August. <laughs> Those are not good months here. Right. I think that's it for today. And I'll leave you with this tweet by Vector of Bull, Colby Pike. Sea coroutines are like monads. Once you understand them, you must write a blog post that tries and fails to teach them to everyone else. That's a good one. Uh, if you look yeah. into Knuth, I think volume one, he has an apology for not giving a good example of properties. Right. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming, for joining me today, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.